Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once, I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication. But Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more back at the beginning on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast is going to be to examine the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character, themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I'm also going to weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally, subjectively, like the ending. And today's episode revolves around uh, the Tommyknockers. So this this will be a fun one to, to really break apart. So I'm going to launch right into it. Uh, I'm going to read the Wikipedia for context um, so that we can discuss the, the ending to the Tommyknockers. While walking in the woods near the small town of Haven, Maine, Roberta Bobby Anderson a writer of the Wild West-themed fiction stumbles upon a metal object that turns out to be a protrusion of a long-buried alien spacecraft. Once exposed, the spacecraft begins to release an invisible gas into the atmosphere that gradually transforms people into beings similar to the aliens who populated the ship. The transformation, or becoming, provides them with a limited form of genius which makes them very inventive, but does not provide any philosophical or ethical insight into their inventions. The spacecraft also prevents those affected by it from leaving town, provokes psychotic violence in some people, and causes the disappearance of a young boy, David Brown, whose older brother, Hilly, teleports him to the planet referred to as Altair Four by the Havenites. The book's central character is James Eric Gardner, a poet and friend of Bobby who goes by the nickname Gard. He is somewhat immune to the ship's effects because of the steel plate in his head, a souvenir of a teenage skiing accident. Guard is also an alcoholic and is prone to binges that result in violent outbursts followed by lengthy blackouts. As Bobby is almost totally overcome by the euphoria of becoming one with the spacecraft, Guard increasingly sees her health worsen and her sanity disappear. Guard feels that he has little to live for aside from his friendship with Bobby and decides to stay with her to try to halt her decline. He witnesses the transformation of the townspeople, discovers the torture and manipulation of Bobby's dog Peter, and people being killed or worse when they try to pry too deeply into the strange events. Over the course of several days, Guard, Bobby, and others continue to unearth the ship. After exploring the ship and returning to Bobby's home, Guard plans to kill Bobby as he can see she is no longer human. Using a gun, Bobby forces Guard to swallow a lethal dose of Valium. As they talk, he shields his mind, pulls his gun out, and shoots Bobby. As Bobby dies, she telepathically screams and alerts the townspeople, and then swarm to her home, intent on killing Guard for fear that he intends to harm the ship. Ev Hillman, David and Hilly's grandfather, helps Guard escape into the woods in exchange for saving David Brown from Altair Four. Guard enters the ship near death after a struggle with the townspeople. With his last ounce of strength, he activates the ship and telepathically launches it into space. This results in the eventual deaths of nearly all of the changed townspeople, but prevents the possibly disastrous consequences of the ship's influence spreading to the outside world. Very shortly afterwards, agents from the FBI, the CIA, and the shop invade Haven and take as many Havenites as possible, killing nearly a quarter of the survivors, along with a few of the devices created by the altered people of Haven. In the last pages, David Brown is discovered safe in Hilly Brown's hospital room. Okay, so let's talk about the ending um, but in order to talk about the ending, let's talk about where we're going to start. We're going to talk about the climax, the falling action, the resolution, um, 
which means that we're going to start from guard versus Bobby, um, including Bo uh, Bobby's death. Uh, guards race to the spaceship, assisted by Ev. Guard pilots the ship into space and dies, and then the resolution is uh, the shop arrives and David is returned from Altair 4. Hey, um, so e even without discussing the conclusion to the Tommyknockers, let's very quickly talk about the Tommyknockers. If you haven't listened to my review of the Tommyknockers, I strongly recommend that you do so because I'm something of a Tommyknockers apologist. I fully acknowledge um, that it has a bad rap um, among King's books. King personally does not like it. Um, I think that it is a batshit crazy novel um, that, and that's not always a bad thing. There's a lot of imagery and really big ideas on display. He goes for a lot of swings on this one. He connects some of them. He misses a lot. Um, but it, it's a really enjoyable reading experience. Um, so I, I happen to like the, per the, the Tommy Knockers. I know that a lot of people do not. Um, and I know that there is just a reputation that um, exists around the Tommyknockers, not unlike the, um, the, the, the influence of the aliens within the ship to anyone from the outside coming in. It kind of hits them and um, doesn't allow them in. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I like the Tommyknockers, and I feel bad for the Tommyknockers, and I, you know, kind of want it to, to get its due. Um, and it just makes uh, this episode uh, all the more uh, reason uh, to talk about, you know, what, what works about the Tommyknockers, what doesn't work about the Tommyknockers, and, you know, what, why it's in some ways misunderstood. But, uh, and this is, it's definitely a part of the exercise of separating objecti objectivity and subjectivity when discussing art um, that, that I find so fascinating, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I like doing this particular, um, uh, why, ha why I like having this focus now on just King's endings. So the, the criteria that we are going to use is, does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that are consistent with the characters, actions, conflicts, or themes of the book? Uh, and it's, it's hard, <laughs> um, it's hard to judge, uh, because the book is just so wild. Uh, it, it operates under its own logic. And for a pure, wild exploration in insanity, it works. Um, you know, I, if, if you judge it within the reality and the expectations that King had established leading up to it, then yeah, I would say that it, it the keyword here is consistent. It's, it's consistent with the internal logic that he had built with, um, with everything leading up to it for its, its characters. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, for, w with what occurs with the characters, um, you know, even if everything is falling apart around side of the characters, King is always able to craft very strong characters that, that you care about. So yes, I, I would say, yes, I would say, you know, for sure. Does it wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? And I would say yes. The plot is wrapped up, wrapped up satisfactorily. I think there's a nice balance here um, that the, 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 the book begins with the extraterrestrial ship being discovered within the Earth. And then the book concludes with a human flying this extraterrestrial ship into space. So the, it begins with the extraterrestrials 
in Earth and it ends with the human in space. I, I think that's just a nice reversal of the beginning. There was a question of what was going to happen to the possessed townspeople. That's answered. They die. Um, you know, so yeah, I would say that the plot is wrapped up. And I think that it's wrapped up nicely. Um, the conclusion. Does the conclusion serve the theme, the symbolism, and the motifs? And I would say that this is trickier. The problem is that despite my enjoyment of this novel, I, I can't argue that it isn't messy. It is messy. It's very excessive. I think if I remember correctly, that at the very first 50 pages at least, what, they're just dedicated to Bobby, and, and Bobby's not doing much. Um, you know, similarly, we have segues and vignettes that take up a lot of space that don't necessarily contribute to the forward propulsion of, of the, the, the story. Um, you know, the inclusion of the shop, which is something I enjoy as a Stephen King fan, uh, you know, it admittedly comes out of left field and doesn't impact um, the stories or the characters or the themes. So, I say all of this uh, because the lack of focus also, sorry guys, sorry about that. Um, uh, I say all of this because the lack of focus, you know, within the, the, the plot itself, um, you know, helps explain the, the lack of focus around the theme. You know, so on one hand, because addiction plays a part to this reading, um, you know, it plays a part to this reading. This feels kind of like you're on drugs. And similarly, it, 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 it simulates the experience of, of, of not quite being within the established reality um, and in control of a situation. Things are, are fuzzier than they should be, not, not quite as tangible. And so it works in some sense, but uh, you know, I, I just don't think that's necessarily intentional on King's part. Um, and as a result, I don't know if the themes are succinctly wrapped up beyond their... Uh, their, their, their initial introduction. Um, so I guess another way of saying it is, uh, I don't know if the themes are really explored in, in relation to the character's plot or, or conflict. Rather, they seem to be acknowledged and they function as part of the story, but a part of the story that doesn't really evolve and, and consistently stays stagnant um, and stays in that, that same gear as the, the initial introduction. Um, so let's talk about the themes a little bit. You know, addiction obviously is one. The the townspeople are addicted to the powers of the ship, most notably Bobby. She's the stand-in. She serves as the mirror image to our other author, guard and alcoholic. Um, now, what I can't remember, uh, and it's funny because a lot of people can't remember, I, I put this out on Twitter, um, is whether or not guard gives up alcohol in the end. Um you know, if he does, uh, I think that the answer is kind of both. He gives it up a little bit, then get, goes back to it. Um, he's definitely on Valium there on the end. Um, you know, so the one way of looking at it is if he gives it up, then through his sobriety, he can save the world. Um, but if he's still, you know, uh, addicted and an alcoholic, it also shows that, you know, what happens? You, you die, you know, guard dies in the end. Um and he dies being away from humanity. So there's there's a lot to that there. It's just not succinct. It's not clear. Um, and on top of the, the the addiction theme, we also have um, Cold War fears of nuclear annihilation, radiation poisoning, invention. Um, you know, putting you know 
you know, in invention and progress over humanity. And I, I say all this because the themes are there. They're just, and, and I'm saying <laughs> this particular uh, metaphor is, is very much on my mind because I have a four-year-old um, and anyone with children is going to know exactly where I'm going with this. But each of these themes, okay, let's just say addiction, it's like a blue ball of Play-Doh. And, you know, the, the themes of radiation and poisoning and Cold War fears, it, it's like, you know, it's like your pink Play-Doh. Um, and, and, and all of the different themes that he's playing with and, and, and sickness um, and hospitalization and um, treatment um, and chemotherapy or, or, or whatever and wasting away um, with the, despite hospital, uh, you know, modern advancement technology, maybe that's you know, a green ball of Play-Doh. And you know what happens when you have a four-year-old? Um, all of these perfectly colored Play-Doh balls wind up just getting smashed together. Um, and sure, the Play-Doh is still there, um, but it's just a sloppy mess that you just can't pull apart from each other anymore, and it just loses all of its color. And and that, to me, that... that um, uh, that metaphor really sums up the, the thematic work in uh, Tommyknockers. And so as a result, though the themes are present, um, they're, they don't really seem to be explored to the point where I could say that they're, um, that they're concluded um, with a lot of um, clear uh, strength. Uh, the next question is, what is the most famous scene in the novel, and does it appear in the conclusion of the, the story? Now, like I, my, my, my caveat to this particular question is that it, the answer is it, the most famous scene of the novel it does not um, appear in the conclusion. It's, it's not, it, you can't knock it, um, because that has nothing to do with the, the ending. But if it does take place, it kind of works in its favor, but it's still something that I like to, to, to ask. Um, this is weird. Like, I don't know what the most famous scene in the novel is. Uh, David's disappearance during the, um, the, the, the magic trick, um, possibly. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. Um, you know, for me, uh, Having the the shop show up and fight a soda machine um, and and guard driving a flying lawnmower uh, through the woods it, it's it's right up there um, and that's in the end so I guess it's got that going for it. Um, are there other factors that we need to consider? Uh, yeah yeah it's it's a mess. The book is a mess. Um, it's not um, his tightest novel. It's it's very bloated. Um, you know, and, and I think in some ways that that works in its favor with the ideas that he's playing with. But because the, the hand that's crafting it is not as in control, um, I, it, it's these are unintentional um, compliments. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it's it's necessarily King operating um, with all of his intent behind the pen, which, again, it's. You also got to compliment it because there's so much there that even when he's not at his best, I still think that he is producing something that is highly entertaining that works on some levels, but is not free of criticism. Um, so, 
there's a couple questions. Do I like the ending and is it a good ending? So the first question is, do I like the ending? Yes, I like the ending. It sticks with me and it's stuck with me since I read it uh, the first time when I was in middle school. Uh, Death's Guard's Death is so haunting and lonely. Um, it, the idea of him just being entombed in this flying saucer to just fly through space away from his home planet just makes me sad makes me really really sad and it's just really stuck with me and and um the discovery of of um the dog peter and you know the the betrayal of bobby not that it's a full betrayal because there's an invasion component um and a possession but you know you know her her fully becoming an alien entity and uh, you know, turning her back on guard and guard having to kill her. And it, it's, it's sad. I think that it's a very, it, it's a, it's an ending that I happen to, to like. So here's the next question, guys. Is it a good ending? Uh, is it objectively a good ending? I would say that, that because of the, the, the messy themes, um, and the, the plot, be, because the plot is something of a mess, though I said that, you know, the, the, the boxes within the plot are checked off, I think that there's some fuzziness there. I can't fully land on saying that, yes, it's an objectively good ending. So much like Christine, I happen to like the ending of Christine. I don't think that the ending of Christine happens to be a quote-unquote good ending. Similarly here, I happen to like this. But I don't think that it's good. So that brings us to um, our tallies. So far, I have like 16 out of 16 endings and 14 of those 16 endings using the criteria um, I believe are good. Um, which still, I think that King is is doing all right in terms of being able to, to land these guys. Um, you know, so, so far, I don't think that he really fully deserves this reputation he has for not being able to 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 stick his land uh land his stick his whoa end his books um okay guys that's all i have for this week um next week um i'm really uh interested to to talk about the dark half um there's a lot to unpack um we're starting to get into that phase of king where he really starts to go fantastical so we're going to be getting into the dark half. We're going to be getting into needful things. Uh, we'll start to get towards, you know, um, insomnia and just th these really high concept um, ideas, um, which really force you to suspend your disbelief throughout, um, especially there at the ending. So I, I think maybe this is around the time where he might start to get that reputation. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, how it all pans out. So um, that's all I got for this week. Um, if you have any free time on your hands, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. That would really, really help me out. Um, I don't ask for any any money, uh, but I do ask for a, a review if you uh, happen to like listening to this podcast. And if you have any thoughts, deeper thoughts on the world of Stephen King, Write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and, and Facebook. Um, and may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I'll see you here next week where M O O N spells Stephen Kingcast. <laughs>